loving you live your life in vanity we're here today with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Gatesville Region in the Restorative Justice Ministry, and myself, Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, also in Restorative Justice Ministry. And we're going to begin uh, the first session of two on conflict resolution, and in our uh, uh, in, uh, incarcerated uh, community, certainly conflict is a part of daily life. Conflict has brought people there. Uh, and so um, Renee has been kind enough to uh, uh, help us uh, today to be able to uh, begin that discussion. Deacon Ronnie. Renee, we all recognize the importance of good communication. And we've also been in situations where we were confronted with conflict. How does conflict resolution, uh, resolution and, and communication work together? So whenever we're experiencing uh, conflict in a relationship, friendship, however you want to put it, our ability to use effective communication, I mean, is paramount. If you're just, you know, responding with, I don't care, uh uh-huh, whatever's, or, you know, those kind of things, that's not going to help, you know, find a resolution to the conflict that you're experiencing, So to resolve conflict, you have to be able to use effective communication skills. So paint that a little broader stroke with that, just Mm -hmm. some more thoughts about communication just in general. So three of the things that I I put down here um, in regard to uh, communication, I teach often marriage prep for for the Diocese of Austin. And so I had to include these because I felt like it was so important. But when we think about communication with people, whether, again, whether it's friendship or marriage, whatever it is, um, tired people are more easily irritated. And if you're irritated, you tend not to communicate well. So you think about it like if you're with a spouse or a friend and you're agitated or you're irritated, you're tired, you're not going to do your best um, communicating more than likely because your your brain isn't focused. You're tired. You're not in that place to be able to do it. Um, tired people also struggle with emotional intelligence, right? So when we're tired and we're grumpy, we're often not at our at our best. So emotional intelligence is out the door. It's like, I don't care what you're saying, whatever. I don't want to deal with this right now. So... tired people aren't the best communicators and we don't empathize well when we're tired when we're tired we're kind of about self right so when we're tired our ability to be empathetic to our friend our spouse our children whoever is really challenging to have effective communication or you know, get some resolution to some conflict you're experiencing. So it's really important that you're in a good, um, emotionally regulated place and that you're not extremely tired so that you can effectively communicate. Explain to us uh, negative communication versus positive communication. Sure. So typically when, um, when you're feeling negative, you know, negative communication you're going to fail to express your feelings. 
And feelings are really important when you're trying to resolve conflict. Each person in the communication needs to be able to express their feelings. The receiver needs to be able to understand. And so typically when we're feeling negative and we're tired and we're down, we don't express our feelings well. We don't take the time to do that. And we ignore the other person's feelings, too. So in negative communication, I'm ignoring your feelings. I'm not worried about your feelings. Don't care about your feelings. It's all about me, other person. And often our attitude may be disrespectful, right? We may tell the person, I don't care. I can't deal with you today. I don't care what you're going through. I don't want to deal with this right now. That is, there's no empathy in that. There's... um, Nothing positive in that. Um, I'm ignoring my feelings. I'm ignoring your feelings. Um, And I'm being disrespectful as well. And often people will, you know, have some colorful language in all of that negative communication as well. Or it can even become like blaming and maybe somewhat verbally combative. uh, combative. You never do anything right. I don't want to talk to you. You don't help me. Um, It can look like that. Where positive communication is somewhat different in that it allows you as the speaker, you know, to express your feelings and thoughts directly. Um, there's there's certain ways of doing that, but when we're uh, fresh and we're going to be positive in the way that we communicate so that we can resolve conflict, um, we're going to express our feelings and we're going to uh, our thoughts and we're going to be direct in that. <clears throat> it might be you really hurt me when you did blah, 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 or I feel hurt when you don't call me that you're going to be late, Right. The tired person, the negative person cannot do that. They're not going to facilitate all that. Also, positive communication is about me acknowledging your feelings. It's not just about my feelings, but I'm going to be able to acknowledge your feelings as well. And the attitude that we present is one of caring and it's one of respect. You know, we're not calling each other names. We're not you know, uh, blaming or not putting people down. It's it's positive. The attitude is is one of care. Um, <clears throat> putting somebody down or calling somebody names does not equal care. They don't go hand in hand. So just some things to think about with negative and positive communication. Would it be um, important to say, uh, to put the other person on notice that I'm really tired today. I've, I've just spent, I don't have anything to give. I'm not ignoring you. I really want to have this conversation with you, but I just can't this moment. Is that proper? Oh, absolutely. I think it goes kind of back to that being direct with your feelings and thoughts, Deacon Harry, I mean, uh, Deacon Ronnie. I mean, that's perfect right there is to let the person know, like, you know, I'm not in a place for this right now. I'm really tired. I had a long day. Um, <clears throat> I can't do this right now. I think that's perfectly fine to to directly express that. Because once again, if you're tired, you're not going to express well. Or if you're agitated, you had a long day. So just direct, being direct in what you can do, what you can't do is perfectly fine. Before we get to the do's and don'ts of communication, <laughs> I did want to touch base on something that is more likely probably in the prison environment than it might be outside of prison, although I don't know the statistics. But there is a lot of mental illness 
that is in the prison environment. And when we hear the words mental illness, I think most of the time we tend to think of extremes where people can't function and things like that. Awful lot of clinically diagnosed things like anxiety disorders and things of that nature that can really scramble the person's ability to recognize the difference between positive and negative communication. Now, I'm not suggesting that we train people to be in-field psychologists or anything because that's not our purpose today, but that is a challenge that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've used what uh, I heard on the radio uh, that was I was told would be positive communication, but it didn't get interpreted that way. What do you do with that? You know, I think if somebody feels like you, you were tr- – we're not being positive is to have maybe a conversation about that. And it is challenging uh, with people who maybe are experiencing some mental health uh, issues just because sometimes they don't perceive the world the way that we perceive the world. Or if they're on medications, that can kind of change up their thinking and their perceptions as well. And so, you know, just maybe assuring this person that you were trying to be helpful Um, You were trying to be positive and maybe talking to them in that direct way, a calm way, but just letting them know, maybe reassuring them that it was your attempt to be positive. So that would definitely be in the category of a do for communication. Right. What are the rest of the do's and don'ts? Sure. So you want to avoid, and some of these are really tricky, um, but you want to avoid being highly critical of people. Um, Sometimes we hear that phrase, well, constructive feedback. Um, Sometimes even when we're trying to be constructive and give feedback, it may not be deemed as constructive feedback by the listener. Depending upon, you bring up a good point, where they're at in their own um, mental place, Sometimes what we what we consider constructive feedback does come off as criticism. Um, people don't hear things the same way, depending upon where they are mentally and emotionally. And so you want to, to try to avoid being critical um, or showing contempt for people. Um, contempt can be very hurtful, you know, in communication. I'm just sick of you. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. You're stupid. That is blatant contempt for this human being. And you will not have good communication, and you certainly are not going to facilitate any type of conflict resolution in using contempt. Um, blaming. Often we want to blame other people when we're trying to uh, you know, resolve a problem or an issue. It's easier just to blame, blame, blame instead of looking at a situation and seeing where our responsibility is or where we played a part. So you want to avoid um, blaming others. Also feeling sorry for yourself. So often we kind of fall into that place of feeling sorry for ourselves. And once again, when you're trying to resolve an issue or conflict, If that's your go-to, you know, to feel sorry for yourself, well, you know, I'm I'm locked up, you know. You once again, you're not gonna resolve anything because you've provided maybe an excuse. That's how the other person can view this. And when you when you adopt things where you're feeling sorry for yourself and then utilizing it for your benefit, so to speak, 
you're not really resolving conflict. It becomes more of a manipulative behavior. Um, resenting your spouse or your friend, um, you want to avoid those resentment pieces. You know, if you're incarcerated, and of course your family is outside, you know, in the outside world, and you still are going to have conflicts, you know, that resentment <clears throat> may spew forth. Well, they're, you know, they're in the free world. They don't know what it's like for me in here. And so you really want to be, you know, cognizant of resentment because you're not going to be able to resolve issues with resentment in the way. And the use of the terms always and never. Always and never are, um, they're kind of what we call cognitive, cognitive distortions, right? So it's a distortion in your thinking that this never happens or this always happens. It's like one or the other. And especially when we're in conflict with somebody, you never write me letters or you always, you know, blame me for being locked up or you never do this. You never come and see me. Those always. But maybe that person has came to see you, but maybe it's just not every week like somebody else. So we want to be cognizant of using the nevers and the always. I always have to call you. You never call me. You know, I always check in with you, but you don't check in with me. But maybe this person really has checked in with you, but not every single time. So avoiding those things. And then the do things are more like um, you want to use feeling words with people. It helps people to know how you feel and then they gain that understanding. We talked a little bit about that before, even with de-escalation. You know, feelings and the discussion of feelings helps people to, one, the person that's expressing can understand their experience better, maybe develop problem solving and self-awareness, and the listener gains a better understanding of the person's experience. So it could be something like, you know, I feel scared when, um, I feel insecure when. So let's say for the incarcerated person, you know, maybe they're really frustrated with a uh, family on the outside world, you know, it could be like, I feel insecure when you don't call me every other day, you know, or I feel scared when you don't communicate with me what's going on with our kids, you know, so putting that feeling in front of whatever it is can be so helpful to the listener and for that conflict, you know, for uh, resolving issues and conflicts. If I share with you how I feel, then you're more easily to understand what my experience is. And that can help kind of diffuse conflict as well. Um, it hurts me when, or I miss you when, you know, I miss you when you don't visit for two months at a time. You know, that hurts me. I miss you. So expressing feeling. And then sometimes like providing um, gentle direction, you know, um, when you do this, I feel close to you, right? So when you call me, I feel close to you. When you come visit, which I know there's not visitations literally right now, but when you visit, I feel close to you. Um, when we're able to talk out our differences, I feel close to you. When you yell and scream, I feel distant from you. So just some terms like that, that those gentle directions, uh, and once again, infusing the feeling can help when you're trying to uh, resolve some of that conflict. 
Renee, I'd like to back up with a different type of behavior, and that's manipulation. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some uh, dialogue techniques with uh, positive techniques in dealing with the manipulative soul? Yeah, so when you're dealing with somebody that's um, manip- manipulative, I have a I have a, a child who's rather good at this sometimes, right? So I think, first of all, you have to be very attuned. And you have to first acknowledge that this person has has a tendency to be manipulative, right? Um, often we don't want to acknowledge that. And so that's the first important thing is acknowledging that sometimes this person can be manipulative. And so part of this is asking them maybe some things in a different way. So, for example, my son, uh, I know I've shared before, he's incarcerated right now. And so everything is like, Mom, when I get out, I want to do this and I want to do that. And it sounds good to me, right? He's manipulating me. You know, it's telling me what I want. And so I was like, I've got to do this different, you know, because if not, I get roped in and it's all these feelings and I end up being hurt. And so I told him one of the last times I talked to him, I was like, you know what, I'm going to need a plan. So literally, when you know you're being manipulated by this person and you know by the things that they're saying, because it sounds good, it's that sound good. That's what I usually call it. Um, you want to come back with something. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, this sounds good. You want to get out and not use drugs anymore and get a job. But what does that plan look like? And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need a plan for this. And I said, so the next time we chat, um, you're going to need to present to me your plan and what that looks like. And and I was direct, just kind of like I'm talking to you. You may have heard the like how the inflection changed in my voice. So I wasn't yelling. I wasn't screaming. I wasn't, you know, in any way hurting him. I didn't do the whole, well, you know, in the past you did this or you did that. Or I didn't even say, I know you're manipulating me. I didn't even go there. I knew I was aware he's manipulating and this is my strategy to deal with that, which was you're going to need to have a plan of what this looks like. And when he presented the plan, it wasn't to my liking, you know, and I told him, I said, well, this is basically the same thing I've heard before. Well, when I come out, I'm going to, and once again, he basically restated what he did at the first time. Well, I'm going to come out and I'm going to, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to get the tattoos removed. And I'm like, the tattoos have nothing to do with getting a job, right? So once again, and it's like, well, I might need to get some money for that. Well, not for me. So it's a being aware of those manipulations and then having them that open in a question, how is this going to be different? What does this look like for you? You know, what? how do you get a job? What are you going to do to get that job? What does that mean? How are you going to get to work? You know, he doesn't have a car. So it's really helping him to line up his plan. Wanted to circle back on another thing as well. Um, when we had, um, we were talking a minute ago about the do's and the don'ts. And uh, the item of resentment came up. Mm-hmm. Um, resentment in communication in particular, um, wanted to ask it in two ways. One, do you have some ideas for when I'm trying to communicate to a person who is obviously in a moment of resentfulness? They're expressing it. 
what do I do in that moment? And the other side is, what do I do as a person that is really trying to be a good communicator, but I'm finding that I'm uh, carrying a, a, a cross of resentment on myself as well, both both ways. Yeah. You know, once again, I think it goes back to directness. And I think sometimes people are afraid to be direct. Either they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or if you're incarcerated, it could be, I'm afraid I'll lose this person. This is my only contact with the outside world. And so if if it sounds like resentment, like somebody sharing something with you and you can you can hear or you feel like, wow, they really they're resentful, you know, is to ask about that, you know, and, and just be honest and be direct. Like, you know, it sounds like maybe you're experiencing some resentment. You know, can you help me understand that? Can you explain that to me? Um, and really, that's not even the best way to put it, because this is where you'd want to use an open-ended question, right? So if you say, can you explain that, what are they going to say? Probably no, right? And then it kind of it's that easy out. So, you know, you can acknowledge that, wow, you seem resentful. Tell me about that. And then that puts them in that, hopefully, that position that they will tell you. And maybe they're going to come back and go, you know, I think you're right, but I haven't really thought about it. Well, you know, think about it, but we're going to talk about this again because nobody can change behaviors if you don't know what's going on, right? And the same with the person who who realizes, wow, I do feel resentful. Um, when, when my daughter was incarcerated, you know, I would go every other weekend to visit her and I would take my grandson. And um, it was it was kind of interesting because at some point, you know, I did feel resentful. You know, this is my... Not that I don't love these people, but every other weekend I'm taking time to drive, you know, to Gatesville. Uh, you know, I lived in Dallas at the time and there was some resentment. And we talked about that. You know, she didn't ask me to do these things. And she expressed that. She goes, well, Mom, I didn't ask you to come every other weekend. You know, I just want to see the baby whenever you have availability. And it was it helped me to realize, like, yeah, I don't have to do this. So it was a great conversation. But the same thing, if you're feeling that resentment yourself, right, then you need to be able to express that to the person directly. You know what? I feel like I resent you. I'm coming here every other weekend to visit you, and I resent that. And in that, you know, she's, she was able to say, hey, I didn't ask you to do that. You've been doing this on your own. So it's about that honest, direct communication, would you, um, and I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but so maybe you could elaborate on it, but would you support having the invocation of prayer between two believing souls as a method of, you know, furthering good communication? And if so, you know, how would you introduce it? I'm always about prayer with everything. Um, it's it's one of my go-tos. Yeah. So I think you can pray and I don't know. I don't think this is wrong, but to me, you can pray for anything and everything, right? And so if it's two people and, and they're needing help with their communication, asking God to help with that. How do we facilitate this? Guide us in our communication endeavors, you know, or help us to be positive, you know, and not negative. Or when we are being negative, Lord, help us know when to back off and take a time out, those kind of things. I think absolutely uh, prayer and asking for guidance, you know, from Jesus is so helpful in these situations. And even the things that we're feeling, like when you brought up resentment, you know, 
in that moment, if you really don't have a handle on what that resentment is, is about, is praying to God, like, help me figure out what, why am I feeling so resentful? What is going on with me that I feel this resentment? You know, how can you help guide me through that? And I'm not opposed to taking notes from prayer either. You know, when I feel things or when I feel like God is really speaking to me, I'll write things down so that I can study that as well. You've, we spoke, uh, we've talked a lot of this uh, session about um, the positive, uh, negative um, roles of communication. Uh, give us some focus areas for conflict resolution. So there's several different um, focus areas for conflict resolution. And one of the biggies is that you're focusing on the problem and not the person, right? Sometimes what happens when we're, when we're in conflict with somebody and we're trying to resolve an issue that we're having, we, can, we become focused on the person and not the problem. And it becomes that, well, you're locked up. What can you do about it anyway? Well, you're on the outside world. What can you do? Or, you know, you always do this. Well, you never clean up the house. You know, we, we start becoming about the person. You know, well, you're stupid or you don't even know what you're talking about. When we become about the person, we cannot fix the problem. So you want to be focused on the issue at hand. You know, if it's if it's parenting, if it's uh, visitate, whatever it is, focus on that and not this, the person and who they are, because then they're going to feel attacked. Um, and so you want to make sure you're focusing in on the problem um, and also taking a time out. A timeout, I'd say this is not just for kids. Um, you know, when we're having a discussion, if we find ourselves getting upset and irate and we're now we're lashing out at each other and we're calling each other names, it's went too far and it's time to take a timeout. And you can already have that <clears throat> lined up ahead of time, what a timeout looks like. I can remember <clears throat> my daughter and her boyfriend one time got into an argument and he went to walk off and this girl's chasing him. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's his thing. He needs to go for a walk, right? Now, you figure out your thing, and you make an agreement of what timeout looks like. This way, like, if somebody does want to go for a walk, the other person doesn't feel abandoned or they're being—it's not important. It's just that's their way of dealing with that high conflict. They need to go walk. Maybe you need to go sit in a quiet room and meditate. So, you know, have that plan for what timeout looks like. And you want to try to utilize— um, iMessages, which we're going to get more into iMessages um, in our next session. But iMessage statements, it literally means you're taking responsibility and it's not all you, 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 you did this, you did that. You know, it means there is a space for responsibility because in a relationship, that's two people or more. But and so part of it is our responsibility. Um, also, with I statements, what's great is because... Um, you're not putting blame on your partner, your wife, your friend, whomever. There is that sense of responsibility in there. Um, so if, for example, if you say to a person, you never call to tell me you're going to be late, you know, you're starting that message with you. As the listener, immediately, I'm on guard or I'm irritated. I feel blamed. I feel attacked, right? So then I don't, I'm not using my active listening skills because now I just want to respond to you. Whereas if you can say something like, I feel worried when you don't call to tell me you're going to be late. That has a totally different effect, right? Because I've told you my feeling. 
I feel worried when you don't call because you're going to be late. Different thing. Now I'm listening actively. Now I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is her feeling. And I can come back with, oh, you feel worried. So I messages are really important. And then to utilize reflective feedback, which we talked before in our de-escalation series, we talked about how to utilize uh, the reflective feedback, restatements, reflection of feeling. Um, so those are just some things to kind of focus on during conflict. Well, we thank you, Renee. We look forward to the next session on conflict resolution. Again, we're here with Renee Brown, the Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator uh, for the Gatesville Region and Restorative Justice Ministry, and myself, Father Harry Dean. Uh, and uh, we're here with you on Red Sea Catholic Radio. Well, let St. John of the Cross close us today with a prayer from him. O blessed Jesus, give me stillness of soul in you. Let your mighty calmness reign in me. Rule me, O King of gentleness, King of peace. Amen. If you walk with me, brother, will you walk with me?